Jesse has kindly requested that I stop drinking fizzy drinks on the show that show ads that we don't want. Yeah. yeah Advertise your mom's show. No, she has to pay too. Yeah. Put, put a cozy on that. You're right. Okay. I've actually, I've cropped it out of frame. Have you? Yeah. They can't see it on the camera. You can't see? No. That I drink a crisp, refreshing, bubbly get, before every show? Get that no? out of here. Okay, fine. Hey, we have an <laughs> announcement to make. But first, let me take a drink. Oh, how dare you? I need um, a Hershey's kiss to they could, Nobody could see any you of that. You know what? You and your squid the game camera was shirt can Steve. fuck off, okay? What? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I love you. <laughs> oh, my God. How dare you? What is happening today? Squid game. It's a little bit, right? Every green tracksuit is squid game all of a sudden? Yep, forever. <laughs> Here, here, wait. Here, Jesse, give me one of these. Give me one Andrew, of these. Andrew. <laughs> Andrew, do you want to host the the Andrew and Jesse show with me? I'm down. Andrew Berkshire is here. Yay! I laughed, I laughed so hard I'm seeing stars. Oh, my God. What oh my God. fuck is this bullying? <laughs> well, Jesse, I will say I'm a good company man because I might be drinking a fizzy drink, but it's out of a no. game over. Oh, hey! There he is. With a crab people shirt on. Andrew's That's on right. fire here. Okay, so, I mean, and, Adam, nice. you would be banned from our Discord for that bullying. <laughs> That's yeah. not allowed. Our mods would ban you. They would. They would. I'm sorry, yeah. Jesse. Just, what, yeah, sorry. I better apologize. What, what should the punishment be? He gets slapped multiple times on a subway or what? <laughs> what? 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 Squid Game reference. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was a deep cut. <laughs> deep cut? <laughs> no, 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 but I mean like, no. hey, it's, oh, yeah, it's, it's a little yeah. bit of a deep cut. Yeah, it's just like a, you know. Highly focused on thing in the biggest Netflix series. It was ever. unnecessary, is what I okay. Just said. All right, all <laughs> what right. What do you think of Squid Game? Andrew, have you seen it? Yeah, I have. Yeah. Okay. We, okay. Announce Squid Game. S friend of the show, Sid Sixero, tweeted that if he knew it was going to end that way, he'd have never watched. Do you guys feel the same way? And no. don't don't spoil the ending. I did not like it. You didn't like the ending. I didn't like the no. ending either. No. What? But there's going to be a season two. That's the whole point. What? What's wrong? That's well. Everyone who hasn't watched it, go fuck yourself. <laughs> oh, whatever. Then, I don't think that's spoiled. Did, no, did I don't it? think so. It's not what happens. It's why. Yeah, it's always it's, why. It's been an hour. Yeah, it is why. <laughs> <laughs> Jesse's upset. Oh my god. Hey, listen. So we have Andrew on today because Andrew made an announcement last night, and we can't focus. Andrew, I apologize. But we've got Peter Mansbridge coming on a little bit later in the show to talk about his book, which is kind of cool. But we we told Peter, Peter, listen, you need to wait. Andrew Berkshire needs to come on, and we need Andrew to come on and talk about the big announcement with Game Over. We've told you we are going to do different things on this network. Andrew, what are we doing? We are doing an announcement for another announcement. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, game Over for the World Juniors. Yeah. Now, we're calling it Game Over Juniors because World Juniors is a trademark. Yeah. So, <laughs> but, Andrew, what does that mean you're going to be doing? It means after every single Team Canada game, I'm going to be live with a series of amazing guests to talk about Team Canada. And Adam, I promise we will try to keep it to around a half an hour. <laughs> yeah, right. How, Man, how, how, no one on this network, eh? No one. 
on this network can keep no one listens to adam so you're a few months in now to a season that's just going great for the montreal Canadiens. so yeah it's fantastic are you excited to talk about a team that might actually win some games yes i am actually i'm excited to talk about a team that's exciting Hmm. like to watch to learn about like different prospects and you know, obviously it'll have some impact on game over Montreal as well, because Caden Gooley is expected to be the, the team captain there. And that's a big deal. But uh, Cole Perfetti from the Winnipeg Jets was just uh, announced that he'll be released there. I know that wasn't necessarily news because he was already at the camp, but officially the Winnipeg Jets have loaned them, loaned him to Team Canada. So there's lots of exciting players to talk about. I'm expecting there's a possibility by the end of this tournament that Team Canada will have as many wins as the Montreal Canadiens. That was my next question. Wow. That was my next question because Montreal has five. Oh, six. My oh, is it six now? Six. Yeah, get it right, Steve. And then how many the to disrespect. win? Disrespect. How many win to win the World Juniors? I think it's six. Six. Yeah. Oh, that's a good bet. Or, okay, what are you taking? <laughs> uh, well, Canada would have to win gold. Yeah. Whoa. Aren't they not favored to win gold? Or well, I mean, they're always in it. But isn't this uh, the Americans' gold to lose this year? Uh, I don't think so. Talking, to, I talked to Chris Peters on a different show that I run uh, about a, two, three weeks ago, and he said that uh, the American team, even though they won last year, they don't have as much of carryover as uh, you would expect for a championship team. So they're not favored this year. And maybe Canada has made some choices like they always do, leaving some talented players out that might uh, hurt their favorability or whatever. But I think Canada's pretty much always the favorite. It's pretty rare that yeah. they're not mm-hmm. considered the favorite. Who is the, the big name that didn't make it a couple weeks ago that everybody's freaking out about on Twitter? Oh, man, you put me on the spot. I don't remember. I know exactly what you're talking it's about. It's a defenseman. The, the Kings process. Oh, yeah, Kings. yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, so here's the other thing, too, right? And we, we had to kind of do a solve on this one. As in, like, behind the scenes, um, you know, Game Over Montreal continues, right? Like, we have to keep going with that. And so, it's like, what do we do? So, um, we also didn't realize and, and had to learn that you can do multiple streams at the same time. A couple of these games will will intersect. So, there will be a Montreal Canadiens game going on and a World Juniors game going on. So, uh, Julian McKenzie has lovingly stepped in. Now, he's going to do two Montreal Canadiens games, right, Andrew? Yeah, that's true. And, on the 28th and the, likely the 4th. Which is going to be great. By the way, I love the fact that you're going to also do the Montreal Canadiens games on top of the World Juniors. <laughs> I'm that's, I'm a madman. You're insane. You're insane. It, it would be a lot worse if the World Junior games were like during the day because during the holidays, obviously, the kids are going to be home. Oh, yeah. So it would be a lot bigger of a, an ask, which, you know, maybe next year. <laughs> but uh, for this year. It's all in the evening, so it's okay. It just means I get to watch the beginning of it with my oldest, and then he goes to bed, and then I have to make it up to my wife after the holidays when she has to do every single bedtime. <laughs> there you go. It's tough to miss bedtime. It's tough. It's tough. And I, uh, Leo was having a conniption uh, during one of my Saturday night streams, and I just get a text like, can you help me? And I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm in front of thousands of people. Yeah, no, I'm like, live yeah. on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good excuse. It's not, it's not going to help you, but it's a good excuse. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I do want to say, like, it's what's been so cool about it, about discovering this is it means that, you know, part of what, what our longer term plans are, it's sort of happening. And, and we'd love to have multiple shows live going at one time. 
So we will have that for the first time ever. So if you're a Game Over Montreal fan or you're a Julian fan, you'll be able to check that out. Uh, and if you're obviously, uh, you know, Team Canada fan, which I, uh, you know, a good chunk of our audience is, or even if you're not, I think it'd be hilarious to have, you know, there's going to be Team USA fans all over this as well. And people from all over the world, um, both of those streams will be available each and every night. Um, and of course, available on demand in podcast form for audio afterwards. Uh, yes, they'll be on Spotify, right, Jesse? Yeah, we're going to have a, <laughs> if you want me to talk about the audio side. Yeah, tell me. <laughs> so we're going to have a Game Over international feed. There's a hint for what's coming up in the next couple months. Mm. Um, so that'll host the Game Over uh, World Juniors. And that'll come up on that feed. So hit subscribe, which you can do. Uh, starting probably next week, because this will be the first episode of the show. You'll be hearing it on the feed. So subscribe to that, and then it'll pop up on your favorite podcast app after the first World Juniors game. Yeah. So, Andrew, congratulations on you, uh, on yet another amazing sort of step with Game Over. And I think, you know, just a hint of what, where we're going in 2022, this is this is the first step. And of course, uh, Jesse hinted at it. There will be some other things to talk about after the World Juniors are over. Uh, and I do want to say this. Listen, you know, um, the the audience that Andrew has built up, and I'm going to talk about you as if you're not here, Andrew, with <laughs> Game Over Montreal in the worst, objectively, the worst first three months of a Montreal Canadiens franchise ever uh, is pretty amazing. You know, there's times where, uh, like, it starts, and there's like a hardcore group of people that are watching every time. And what's been amazing also kind of like with Steve is every time they win, the numbers go down when they lose. It's huge. And, and I, I, I just want to say, Andrew, you've done an amazing job. The guests have been great. The content's been great. And I know it's a lot of hard work and, and we just wanted to say publicly, although privately we would thank you as well. Thank you so much because you've been killing it. Yeah. The oh, guest my pleasure. booking is and like the most underrated thing insane. ever. That's such a hard thing to do. And you book, you're booking 82 guests. For 82 games, it's unbelievable. So all the du credit Almost to you. double that, because most times we have two guests, right? Right. Yeah, that's insane. So. And you don't have to. It's just Andrew wants to. Yeah. He could just be Andrew if he wanted it to be. But he's like, no. <laughs> I'm going to do this myself. <laughs> I'm going to make this as hard as possible. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, and Andrew, th thank you so much. And obviously, uh, hopefully, um, you get over this cold here soon. I know that uh, you've been dealing with the same plague that Steve and I have been dealing with. Um, but okay. anyway. Yes. So when is the first game over World Juniors? I mean, it'll be Boxing Day, right? Everybody's favorite uh, Boxing Day tradition. Although, I guess for the Americans, you don't call it Boxing Day. December 26th, the day <laughs> Peace. after Christmas. Feast of St. Stephen, everybody. Is that what it is? Yes, it is. My Nona used to always call me on Boxing Day. Happy Feast of St. Uh, Stephen. There you go. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> right, uh, Andrew, am I right? Uh, nope, I don't know. So, so you can I, sign up right that. now. <laughs> Is the feed up for Game Over International? No, no. Okay. No, not yet. We'll let you know when that feed goes up. Yeah. In the meantime, look out for Game Over uh, Juniors. And obviously, Game Over Montreal continues as we make our way through the season. Andrew Berkshire, thank you so much. And congratulations. Woo! Thanks, guys. Thank you, sir. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I don't know how this happened, by the way. I don't know how this came came around. Steve, you want to explain this one? Uh, I got an email. Would you like Peter Mansbridge to come on the podcast? And I checked to make sure it was from an email that seemed legitimate and not <laughs> someone trying to scam money out of me. And when I discovered it was really Peter Mansbridge, I said, yes, I would like to have Peter Mansbridge on. So welcome, Peter hey, Mansbridge. Peter Mansbridge. Yay! Hey, this is, you know, this, this completes a life journey. Yeah. Like this is the show that I've always wanted to be on. I, I've aimed my career over 50 years of getting to this point, And now I'm here. So whoever it was who sent you that email, they were, they were definitely working on my behalf because they got me to where I wanted to go. Peter is a good liar. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it was Jillian who's uh, promoting your book, but like, it's it's just so great that now you get to do the shows that matter. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. And that's the thing. You know, that's what I've been waiting for. All those times, you know, I was on Cronkite. I was on The National. Yeah. I was on, you name it. I Ice was surfing. It. But I, yeah. <laughs> What'd you laugh one. for? <laughs> this was the one. Well, and now I'm here. We're I feel like liberated. We are thrilled to have you on. Now, Peter, when you were, um, you got your new book and we want to talk about it. It's called Off the Record, Peter Mansbridge. Um, we'll get to it in just a second, but I got to ask you, um, when you were on The National, were you allowed to talk about, or were you allowed to openly in the streets talk about the fact that you were a Leaf fan? I mean, this is a national broadcast in Canada and you know how regional we are. We love our teams regionally and everybody right. hates the Leafs. So well, were you allowed to talk about it? And everybody you know, tended to think, think that CBC was only in it for the, for the Leafs, right. In right. terms of uh, its hockey broadcast. No, I had a bad rep for hockey because people believed that I hated hockey because I was always upset um, about how hockey would bounce the national around in the, in various time slots and especially during the, uh, the playoffs. So they, they had this whole image of me that was anti-hockey. Um, but when they got over that, it was, He's a Leafs fan. Uh, okay. You Even when I told them that I was also a Jets fan because I'd lived in Manitoba and I was there when, when Bobby Hull signed, I was there at the corner of Portage and Maine when Bobby Hull signed the, the, you know, whatever it was, his contract with the Benny Hatskin, who was the owner of the Jets. And, you know, it seemed like such a big deal then, right? A million dollars for a hockey player. Back then, that couldn't happen, right? But it did, and I think that was like for a three-year contract for a million bucks. But anyway, it was a big deal, and as a result, I was a I was a Jets fan and remained a Jets fan. Wow. In fact, I had season tickets to this latest uh, incarnation of the Jets for five years, which were always taken by my grandkids uh, <laughs> and my daughters in Winnipeg. So, but anyway, uh, I've been both a Jets fan and a Leafs fan, but the Leafs thing goes back to the 50s when we came to Canada. Before we dive in, I want to put Peter Mansbridge into perspective for, uh, we have a significant portion of American listeners and it's really, and international listeners, but it's like 30% of people that listen to this show are American at least. Uh, could be higher. 
And, uh, and so Peter Mansbridge, for all of us growing up, was the voice of um, the biggest national broadcast in the country, which was The National, aptly named. You know, you, you mentioned Walter Cronkite. That's who we compared you to on the previous episode, your, your Canada's version of that. And I know, I know this is going to be an awkward question, but do you, do you ever, uh, are you ever able to process the effect that you had on, on this country in that realm? Like, are, do you, does, has that ever sunk in for you that you're like, wow, that was, that was a pretty big deal? You know, it's sunk in more since I um, stepped away from it all. Four years ago, when I when I retired from the uh, from the national, after thirty years anchoring it, and after fifty years on the program, the first twenty was as a reporter. Uh, but I don't think when I was there, I mean, I, listen, I knew it was an important program to a lot of people, and people would come up to me on the street and say hello and all that. Uh, but it was after I left that I really started to get a sense. Um, from people who would who would come up and want to talk and say, you know, I I used to sit on the on the couch with my dad and we'd watch the national. That's how I learned about what was going on in the world just when I was a kid. And I grew up through that and I grew up with you. Now listen, that really made me, you know, feel old uh, <laughs> when they talked that way, but it also made me realize how important the program is or the program was in terms of the the relationship between those who wanted to be informed about what was going on around them uh, and the people uh, who were bringing that information to them. Uh, so it was, it was a big deal. There's also been a lot of, you know, new Canadians who've come from other parts of the world uh, who have come up to me and said, you know, when I came to Canada, I couldn't speak English. And I learned to speak English by watching and listening to you on the news. Now, when somebody says that to you, it's pretty overwhelming, right? I mean, they're not talking about me personally. They're talking about the program and they're the kind of institution that news and information is for Canadians. And, uh, you know, it, 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 that element of it has been, has been pretty uh, overwhelming to me. Do, do those experience do those experiences change who you are as a broadcaster because the more people I meet the more I I don't know if you do this but I I picture a certain person sometimes when I'm talking and then I hear oh a kid will watch it with their parents or a new Canadian will watch it who maybe doesn't have the greatest grasp of English does that change how you are as a presenter I'm not sure you're a better example, Dangle, of that than me. <laughs> I mean, when I first watched I don't you, know that. <laughs> yeah, when I first watched you, it was it was on what you do so incredibly well is is your rants and the editing style you put together with them, and and you go, wow, what's this guy like? Is this guy like this all the time? Is that like how he wakes up? Is that how he talks in his house? Um, and, and so when, when you, when you see you like this, it obviously is obviously not had an impact on the way you really are, or I don't know, maybe that's the way you really are. And this is the fake Steve Dangle. I don't know. You'll, you'll never know. Yeah. But uh, you know, what you try to do as a, you know, as a journalist and a presenter of the news is, 
you're you're neutral you're impartial you're just trying to present the information as best you can uh, in the in the proper context without any spin just give them the facts let them decide for themselves uh, what they want to believe right uh, that's what you're trying to do and if you get carried away with the position you're in that can sometimes get in the way of what your what your goal is well, and, and um, I forgot about this, but I, I, I pulled it up because I remembered it. Um, uh, if you, if you want to get to know Peter a little bit too, Peter's also got a Disney side. Did you know this? <laughs> no. Peter Mansbridge was in a Disney movie called what? Zootopia. He was a, he's a, he's a, uh, an anchor called Peter Moosebridge. And he is the co-anchor on ZNN because it's American. ZNN. Uh, yes. Um, and Peter, I, I have to ask. I have to ask this because I'm a, a bit of a nerd for this stuff. But I remember being—I was an entertainment reporter at the time. I was at the premiere, so I want to know how that came about for you and what it's like doing a Disney movie. Well, first of all, you have to remember whenever you mention Zootopia, you have to say the Golden Globe-winning, Oscar-winning film Zootopia. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. You must. I'm sorry. I, mean, I apologize. Right. Yeah. I mean, listen, you were an entertainment reporter at one point, Adam, and you, you know, you clearly, you know that on that film, which was a couple hours long, there were about eight seconds in there that made it that Oscar winning film. And it just so happens those were the eight seconds I was in the film. There it is. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, listen, that was a uh, that was a, a fluke. As much of my career has been, uh, you know, a fluke in terms of how I got into it. But you know, I was going through security at the Pearson Airport one day on a, trying to catch a flight to Vancouver, where I had a speech. And this guy yells out, "Hey, Peter Mansbridge, um, I got to talk to you." And he was in the line, a couple of spots behind me so i waited for him he came up to me and he said look i'm the vice president of disney <laughs> what? And, and we were just talking about you in a meeting and i said right yeah sure and he said no 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 we want you in our next big animated feature they'd done frozen which was huge yeah and he said this one zootopia is going to be just as big and we've got a character we've created for you and the whole bit and I said, no, 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 I can't, I can't do that stuff. It's against CBC regulations and all that, you know, BS that happens. And um, so they, so he said, no, 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 we, we really want you. And I said, well, send me a letter. I, I've got to catch my plane, blah, blah, blah. So one thing led to another. And eventually they put forward this offer. I took it to the CBC and I said, look, it's Disney. It's going to go worldwide. Hundreds of millions of people are going to see this. And it's eight seconds long. Really? We Can we? why would we give this up? And they said, no, 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 it's, you know, we can't do that. Um, anyway, I fought it and it was, uh, you know, I, I knew it was going to be my last year. I hadn't told them yet, but I knew it was going to be. So I, I told the powers that be that, look, this is a great opportunity for me, for my kids and my grandkids. Let me do this thing. So they eventually relented. Um, they said, can't accept any money. And I said, no, 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 I've told them already. I won't accept money. And they said, um, so Disney says, we have to pay you something because of union regulations. Oh, jeez! Right? And so right there, you see, you see that thing hanging on the wall there? Yeah. The check? Me? 
That's a check from Disney. I've never cashed it. It's for a dollar. Wow. U- a U.S. dollar, mind you. Wow, that's a dollar th- 23, I think, today. <laughs> that's right. Exactly. So that was my payment. Um, and they gave the rest to a, a, a very good charity, actually. Um, but it was fun. It was it was great. But it was eight seconds. Long, That's, yeah. you know? <laughs> well, you've made it because of that eight seconds. You've made it into the Disney wick. They have a Disney wiki. He's in there and they, they go into a whole explanation about his character. But but Peter, that's in your book. I mean, that's part part of the stories in your book. And and, and the, again, the, it's called Off the Record, Peter Mansbridge. Peter, can you tell us about this book, the Canadiana in it? And, and what if, if we're, you know, when we catch it and we read it, what are we in for? Uh, you're in for a, a lot of different stories. You know, some are funny, some are emotional. They all say, talk a little bit about journalism, a little bit about Canada. Um, and the idea here was uh, for me to, to tell stories, to tell, you know, that's what great journalists do and good journalists do and, and mediocre journalists like myself do. You tell stories and you fascinate your audience in some fashion. So the idea behind this book was to be anecdotal about my career, um, which is what I do here. And I, you know, I tell, I don't know, there's probably 60, 70 anecdotes in here. Uh, they're, they're not, they, you can move through this book fairly quickly. But as I said, it touches a lot of different things. And they're the kind of stories that you end up telling around the dinner table or in a bar to your friends, uh, because they're not what happened on the air. They're sort of what happened behind the scenes on various stories. Uh, And sometimes, as you guys know, as well as I do, those are the most interesting parts uh, of whatever it was you were covering. And so... Uh, most of these stories I've, I've never told before, certainly in public. Um, but, uh, but, uh, you know, I think it's entertaining. It's been, you know, it's been on the bestseller list for nine weeks or something, and it makes a great Christmas gift. <laughs> <laughs> Simon and Schuster must love you. Yes. So, so when I wrote my book, I don't, I don't know if you know this. I wrote a book. Um, so, I didn't write it. That was the one with all the pictures in it. Yeah. It? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I went, I, I go by an alias. I don't like to talk about it. It's Dr. Seuss. Yeah. And oh, stop. so there's, um, I didn't write it in order, obviously like chapter one, chapter two, chapter three, but I started to want to do the, uh, the book more and more because I started thinking about it every day and I had certain stories in mind. What was the story or I guess the chapter in this book? where when you were thinking of the concept of the book, you're like, this has to be in it. Well, that happened with a lot of things. I mean, over time, you start to collect these things. You're, you know, I mean, you're still a kid, Steve, really. Sure. Uh, And and so you, uh, you know, you've got lots more stories to come. So you got many volumes of this book. Hope so. You allegedly wrote. Uh, <laughs> that's a bestseller peter man's <laughs> uh, anyway um so i i've been obviously collecting these over time and uh, there have been a number of times where i've kind of jotted down a line or two lines or maybe just a couple of words that represent that story to, to so i don't end up forgetting it um but others have come up to me and said, are you going to tell that story about such and such? And I go, yeah, of course I am. And then as soon as I leave, I go, my God, I forgot that one. I better, I better write that one down. Um, so 
I mean, that's been pretty much the process on this book. I, you know, I, I had a bestseller last year as well. You didn't call me to be on your program. Oh, wow. wow. Yeah. You didn't offer. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. You were, that, that's why you were on ice surf. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but that one, that's a lot, that was a lot different because it, it, it was, it, it was stories about other uh, Canadians. This one, Simon and Schuster pushed me. You got to do something about yourself. You know, I said, I don't want to write a, a memoir because that feels like, you know, you're, almost dead right <laughs> here's <Yeah>. my memoir <laughs> and now i'm gone because <laughs> I, 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 so, i'm still working i'm still doing a lot of different things right now it's just up in the arctic uh, a couple of weeks ago to doing a documentary on arctic sovereignty and you know i got a lot of things in, in the fire but um anyway they they said let's do this and so last summer not the summer just gone by but the summer before uh through the first summer of the pandemic you know, how long are we going to be saying that? Like 10 years from now, we're going to say, remember the eighth summer of the pandemic? Yeah, yeah. I hope not that long. My goodness. Yeah. We'll it wake up not. tomorrow. Although we're already day. longer than the Spanish flu was. <sighs> and all they had was masks. <sighs> and we got all these other, you know, magical things and, and, and we're still in it. And from every indication in the last few days, we're, we're going to be in it for a while yet. Anyway, uh, I digress. The, uh, it became an easy thing to do through that first summer of the pandemic because there really was nothing else to do. I sat in my backyard and I, you know, I wrote this book, 90,000 words. And, uh, you know, it took, it took five or six months, but uh, that's what I did. Wow. Yeah, I, I remember going through the book process with Steve as his friend, Peter. I've known, I've known Steve since high school. And was he like this in high school? Oh, oh yeah, seriously. absolutely. Would he get up in class and he was screaming and you know waving his hands? And- <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, you know he actually used to do. So Peter, Steve used to do the morning announcements. That was his big thing. Oh no. So they, so and and he'd turn it into like a radio show, and then he would do. Sometimes he thought it was hilarious to do the entire announcements, not not a little bit, but the three four minute long announcements as Elmo. Because he did an Elmo impression, <laughs> and by the end of it, people were ready to jump through the speaker and strangle him. But <laughs> I've, I've had better ideas. <laughs> but, but yeah, so <laughs> so jumping. Jeez, jump- I better not let Disney hear you. Yeah, yeah. where's my deal? Yeah. I charge more than a dollar. <laughs> Just let them know. Um, you know, Peter, it's it, it, jumping. Uh, jumping through those hoops with Steve. Cause I felt Jesse and I definitely felt like we were on that journey with you every single time we got together for a show and we did a hundred shows a year at that point. We're doing even more now. Um, you know, we'd hear about the update. What's the update? What's the update? Oh, I got to hit this deadline. Oh, I got to hit this. I don't know how I'm going to do it. I'm going to have to stay up all night. And I just wondered, cause he, Steve made it feel like it was one of the most stressful processes he's ever been through. And it probably was, I'm not trying to d- take from that. It sounds like with you, I'm getting this picturesque version of you in a backyard surrounded by greenery in the summer and the birds are <laughs> chirping and you're typing away and, and then all of a sudden, poof, you have a bestseller. Is that how it went for you? That's exactly how it went. Okay. <laughs> well, I guess some people are just good at this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fortunate, fortunately, I had a good editor as well at, uh, at Simon & Schuster who was able to... Uh, you know, but because uh, what I did was I wrote all these anecdotes, I wrote all these stories, whatever there were, sixty or seventy of them, and I sort of delivered them. I said, "Well, here they are," 
how do we make a book out of this? <laughs> so, um, so they went through it all and, wow. and, and determined, you know, they, they came up with potential orders for these uh, anecdotes, you know, the, the, the run list, the chapter list, how it, how it would all work. But it is basically the scenario you explained. I, you know, the, it, it's not like, you know, Steve has, I, I guess, whenever there's a Leafs game and, you know, he's got to decide, A, is there enough here for my little shtick? And uh, if there is, I got a gun to my head on getting it done yeah. within the next couple of hours. I don't know how he does it. I really don't know how he does it because I look at that production and it's, you know, it, it's, it's pretty amazing. Um, but for, for me, it's, I, you know, I signed a, signed a, a contract offer and they said, okay, we want it for uh, the fall of 2022. Hmm. Well, I'd finished it by the early part of this year, 2021. And so they moved it up uh, a year. But I mean, there was lots of time. Right. But the process right. was simple. I just sat, I sat for the most part in my backyard. Uh, early mornings. I, I like doing early morning writing. So I'd be up at like five or five 30 and I get out there and, uh, and write. Wow. Unbelievable. Yeah. How much, um, chaotic, how compared. much, yeah, I, I like your version of events better. Um, how much hockey, uh, is in this book? I'm curious if any, uh, very little. I, yeah. there were a couple of chapters I had one on, uh, on Bobby Orr and, and one on Carrie Price, um, Bobby, who I know, you know, fairly well. And, uh, Carrie Price, who, who kind of picked, picked me out of a, a crowd in the, in the Montreal dressing room one, one year that he wanted to talk to. Um, and, and that led to, uh, uh, the ability to spend a little time with him. Um, but I'm saving those for my, what may be my, my next book. But, uh, the other, the, the one hockey element in there, there's a, you know, we, I was born in England, raised in Southeast Asia. And when we came to Canada, I was like, I don't know, six or seven years old. And I didn't know anything about hockey. And I was walking around with a cricket bat, you know, looking you know, a little odd at the, when I arrived at the baseball diamond. Um, but I got into hockey and I, I loved hockey. And you were told at that early time, this is in Ottawa. Uh, there was no hockey team in Ottawa at that point. This is the late fifties. And it was, uh, you know, they said, you got to choose between red and blue. You know, you're either a Habs fan, which is a little closer to Ottawa than Toronto, or you're a Toronto fan. If you're a Toronto fan, you're blue. If you're a Habs fan, you're red. Well, I chose Toronto. And, and that Christmas, my parents bought me, and there's a picture of it in the book of me standing there in a, you know, a Leafs jersey or, or whatever they pretended was a Leafs jersey at whatever you know store they found this in. And so that that's where my affection for the uh, for the lease began, and it w- it was a much different time. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, Dangle would have been unemployed because they won every year. Right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, sounds awful. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, the uh, but uh, that's how things started with with me for uh, for hockey, and I think that's the only you know significant mention of of, of uh, hockey in in this book. Well, I believe we've just uh, we've got bro- breaking news uh, on this podcast that Peter Mansbridge is going to write another book, and it's going to be hockey related, which we're excited about. Mm, potentially, maybe. 
Uh, I didn't go quite as far as saying it. <laughs> Adam, you present the facts and you let people decide. I was paying attention. Peter Mansbridge, the book is called uh, The Peter Mansbridge uh, Off the Record. And this is, um, my dad doesn't know this, but he's getting this for Christmas. My dad is a, an enormous oh. Peter Mansbridge fan. Oh. Um, You're only getting him one copy? Yeah. <laughs> I bought the hardcover, okay? Um, so you can check it out. You can buy it anywhere where you can buy books. Peter Mansbridge, an absolute honor to have you on our little show. Thank you for coming on. Thank you. Oh, thank you for inviting me. It's been a treat. Really enjoyed it. So we got a couple of quick things that we got to talk about. Um, uh, it seems as though the Arizona Coyotes have paid their bills. Um, but maybe. Then, but maybe. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, is that like Mike Stevens, our buddy Mikey Stevens, 81, Hell of a day. Hell of a week. Yeah, he, he got himself verified. Yeah, finally. I'm sure his wife called him back. She's she's coming back. She's. He always says his wife left him. He's never been married. I love it. Um and uh and and then uh, you know and then calls uh the city that was going to lock the Coyotes out of their arena for unpaid bills. I think it was 1.3 million dollars that they were back on. So good. And what was amazing about so it good. is they said, "Oh, it's human error. It's our bad." And the guy from city council and Gillis said. Uh, he said, well, they, they did, they did come and pay, but we're dubious about the idea that it was human error. Well, so can you pull up the exact quote? Because I have an exact counter quote. And by the way, what I'm saying so good to is Mikey's reporting. Oh, it's Be incredible. Because what we were getting was Katie Strang basically reporting the story. The coyotes are 12 days away. An NHL team is 12 days away from getting locked out of their building. Um, so Glendale city manager, Kevin Phelps insisted that he couldn't speak to the internal workings of ice, Arizona hockey LLC, which is the coyotes parent company, but he remains highly skeptical of the reasoning here in Arizona. All taxpayers have to pay online. Uh, and so there's a very simple process. You go online on your account and you plug in the numbers for the taxes that are due. And there's a gigantic button that says remit payment in all caps. And that's done monthly. So every month since June 2020, somebody has filled out that information and admitted the form, but forgot to submit the payment along with it. Could it have been human error? Was it possible that it wasn't? No. Is it likely? I would say we remain skeptical, especially in light of past history. So that's what? Kevin Phelps. This is Gary Bettman today. It's clear that the city of Glendale has an edge or agenda in terms of how they're dealing with the coyotes. Mm -mm -mm. Okay. Wait, what? Read that one more time. It's clear the city of Glendale has an edge or agenda in terms of how they're dealing with the coyotes. Batman said that. Batman said that. So he's implying that, that the city doesn't like the coyotes. Jesse, if <laughs> I owed you $1.3 million uh -huh. and I took six months to pay you back uh -huh. and I was a little shitty about it, how would you react? I'd be upset. Mm -hmm. Would you want to um, maybe kick me in the teeth? <laughs> so I definitely give a quote to Mikey Stevens. That's kind of passive aggressive. So this yeah. is this is you great. Pay your fucking bills. This isn't hard. Oh, I hate that guy so much. So hockey news. <laughs> by the way, you got to read this article. Mikey's just on fire here. But uh, according to Phelps, this is Kevin Phelps from uh, uh, the the city. He's the city manager. Coyotes have not paid rent on Gila River Arena as outlined in their building agreement, a revelation that comes roughly five months after the city of Glendale informed the team that it would be opting out of its joint lease in order to pursue other ventures. Well, duh, they don't pay. 
Um, the Coyotes must find a new home for next season, and they have yet to do so. Speaking at the NHL GM's meetings in Florida on Thursday evening, I, this is such a Gary Bettman move. Get ready for this. Commissioner Gary Bettman weighed in on the matter as well, stating there was no problem with the Coyotes arena situation that leaves the franchise he helped install without a home rink for 2023. And this is what Phelps said. Well, I don't know how he defines problem. What I can say is there's been speculation that our whole objective has been to create leverage on the team so we could cut a better deal on the lease. And it's been one of those things that has been challenging to refute. Nothing could be further from the truth. It's not about creating leverage. We have decided to move on and in a different direction. We're ready to announce publicly a major renovation on the arena, and we think that has a bright future with the Coyotes not part of it. Wow. There, that quote to me says, we're sick of this shit. Mm-hmm. We're, we're going to try something new with this building. It's no longer going to be a hockey mainly building. We want to move on because the Coyotes have been a terrible tenant. And that's, all, that's entirely fair for, what is it, Kevin Phillips? Phelps. Phelps. That's entirely fair for the stance for him to take. It's something there that's in their right that they can do. And if you have a shitty tenant, if when the lease is up, don't renew it with them. And it's public domain. This is public money. Right? The, the people of Glendale built that arena. So, again, to emphasize, because this Katie Strang story came out and Craig Morgan confirmed they haven't paid their money and they're going to get kicked out in 12 days. Then the Coyotes went, ah, da, da. It was... The intern we put in charge, by the way, if you own a big company and the person in charge of paying the city of Glendale over a million dollars fucks up, that's your fuck up. If the people you hired for that fucked up, that's your fuck up. Someone at your company fucks up and you're the owner of the company, you fucked up. So to emphasize again from Mikey Stevens, just spoke with city, uh, Glendale city manager, Kevin Phelps, according to him. The Coyotes have presented checks to make them current on the 2020-2021 season and game day expenses for the 2021-22 season. And it was presented as done. But Mikey goes, they have not, however, paid rent for Gila River Arena. These guys suck. Glendale's absolutely right. And Bettman being shitty to the city that took you in. Took you in. When you had nowhere to go. there. You've been awful. You've been nothing but awful for literally ever. And you owe them seven digits and you're being an asshole. No wonder they want you gone. You stink. Ugh. I really cannot stand when that man opens how, his mouth. How, how does this look for Tempe? You know, this whole, the, the rumor that there's some sort of arena that's going to go in there. Why would, if I am in government in that, in that area. And I, and I say this with apologies to Coyotes fans because I do not, for Coyotes fans, want this franchise to fail. Look at what it gave us Austin Matthews, for God's sakes. Yeah. But also, it gave a lot of people something that they love. And it's not like the team's been unsupported. It's the management and, and ownership has been terrible all the way through the history. It's been a joke. So if you're, in, if you're Tempe City Council and you're, you're, you're going to sit there and watch this story, are you confident that whatever thing they want to build is a good idea to put public treasury funds into? Even if it's not, even if you're offering tax breaks, even if it's not that, are they, you know that they are going to have to pay taxes on your land. Whatever the deal is going to be, they're going to have to pay taxes on that land. Are you confident they're going to make those payments? You know what, Adam? That's a great question. 
And one that we should ask. Let me just Google the owner real quick. Oh, it's nothing but bad stories. Ever since he came into the picture with the Coyotes. Ever since. When's it going to stop? The next owner is going to come along. There's going to be a next owner, let's be honest. The next owner is going to come along. And let's be hesitant about anointing this person the savior of the franchise. Every savior of the franchise has driven them further into shit. This guy, though, and it's funny because when he did come on, his specialty is buying distressed assets, turning them around, making them profitable, and selling them. That's his specialty. And if that's how he's become a billionaire. Coyotes are a distressed asset, everybody. They are on life support every year and have been from the NHL. The Coyotes don't exist without revenue sharing. They don't. You know that. And this guy can't do it or hasn't. And if this guy can't, and that's his specialty, his specialty is quite literally doing what you need to do in Arizona. What's the viability going forward? It sounds like the care that you need to run this team isn't being taken. Like nobody's watching it closely enough. Cause like in order to grow the game of hockey, you need to put hockey in non-traditional markets Mm -hmm. that there's a reason the NHL bought the team back and owned it for all those years because they needed it in Arizona. Like you said, it literally gave us Austin Matthews, but he watched the team as a kid and that's what brought him into hockey. Lots of other players too. the, The NHL needs to be in markets like this where hockey is not the number one sport. But when you're in a market like this, you need to take care of the team and watch the details and make sure that everything's being run properly. You need an owner there who's watching the the finer things of the franchise, like paying your taxes on time and connecting with the community. And it's a shame that they're not doing it because it can be so successful and you can really grow the game if you just watch the team and make sure everything is run as it should be and they're not doing it and hopefully just for the sake of the people in Arizona someone comes in who's gonna do the due diligence and really care about the Coyotes because they haven't had that in the what is it 25 years now that they've been in Arizona um they haven't had 97 yeah about that Six or seven? 96 yeah, yeah. 96 about, 97 was about 25 sure. yeah almost there so they haven't had that, I, I don't think, in their entirety of their franchise. And I hope one day they get that, one day very soon, yep. when this owner's out. Yep. And then when Houston gets a franchise, they get that too. Yep. And it's not, hopefully it's not the Coyotes, and they get to stay there. Uh, uh, Chris Johnston on the CJ show that I listened to on the way here, saying that Houston feels like a when, mm-hmm. not an if. Man, I'm surprised. I, I thought they'd want, they want an expansion tag before they want that You got to go to 34. I think they want that. Yeah. I just don't think... I, I think that, like, if you don't want to go to 33, uh, 31 again, mm-hmm. you got You might have to move them to Houston. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think <laughs> in a perfect world for them, they would have Houston and Arizona. Yeah, but yeah. Okay, so... Pay your bills. And a lot of people got on me on Twitter about this. You know, people are like, why would it go to Houston before Quebec City? And I'm like, yo, on the power rankings list of, of teams, Houston is like... Fifth in in metropolitan area, seven million people. You need two hundred fifty thousand of them to be hockey fans for that team to live. With all due respect, that's an extremely Canadian point of view. Yes, you're not looking at it. You yeah, don't, you don't know how ridiculous that statement sounds to like your average American. And if you, I would say you put a team in Hamilton. And by the way, both eyes on Hamilton, everybody. I I think there's I think there's something brewing there. What? I don't know what it is. I keep reading stuff, and I'm like, there's something happening here. Do you guys know this? What? So the, I told you about the Oakview group, right? Yeah, you oh, mentioned Hamilton, this on yes, the show. Yes, yes, yes. So, so, but yeah. do you know that Irving Azoff's involved in that too? 
So, so it's the official expansion into Canada. So it's the Lywicki brothers, both of them. Yeah. And Irving Azoff, who was like one of the biggest managers in music ever, who was like Fleetwood Mac's manager. This guy's huge. And they're all bringing, and they were all a part of what built both of those arenas. They're here now. I'm just, don't be surprised. For Hamilton. Hamilton. Yeah. I just, think it's going to be Hamilton, guys. I'm just stuck on why put a team in Houston when you could put it in a market that's a fraction of the size. Here's what I would want to do. If I'm, if I'm Gary Bettman, here's how I... Here's how I maneuver the chess pieces, okay? You got a distressed franchise. You have to save it because you don't want to go into contraction because that's actually an option here. Yep. The, you know, the, it just announced um, as we were recording this show, the NHL is on track to hit over $5 billion this year. What that means is they're tracking at a higher percentage of money in than they were in 2019. Good for them. And that makes sense, right? They Fatter TV deals, okay? But that doesn't mean the cap's going up. The players have a bunch of money to pay back, yada, 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 yada. So there's all that, okay? If I'm Gary Bettman, here's how I look at this situation. There are two, franchi- two cities that really want to franchise in the United States, and I need them to pay a billion dollars for a franchise tag. Vegas was $500 million, Seattle was $750 million. The next one will be a billion, and I bet you the next one after that will be a billion two five. That's wow. what they're going to be looking for for teams 33 and 34. I move Arizona, if I can't save it, to the, to the Golden Horseshoe. I move it to, the, to Southern Ontario. And the reason I do that is you've got a built-in hockey audience. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Leafs, I think, I think it's only 50 miles outside of Toronto that, that they can hold. There's something like there can't be a team within a certain distance of Toronto. Sure. There's some sort of rule. And I was, Jesse was on this before I was. I was like, no, Jesse, they'll never put a team here. And now I squarely believe they're putting a team here. That's what, that's what I think is going to happen if they can't save the Coyotes. I was just laughing at this Gary Bettman quote from yesterday, uh, tweeted by Chris Johnston. Gary Bettman on Coyotes Arena situation. There's no problem, but we'll deal with that tomorrow. <laughs> so there's a problem. <laughs> what the fuck? There's no problem, but we'll deal with that tomorrow. That should be the title of like a, some sort of law book. There's no problem, but we'll deal with that tomorrow. Really good lawyer speaking. Hey, I want to ask you guys quickly. What did you think of the game last night versus Tampa? Um, well, there's a reason I shot my LFR the way I did. Um, I think the story of that game is the story of the Leafs. Um, I know I learned two things about the Leafs last night that I've learned over the last two months. One, they're really good. Two, they're not good enough. Um, the standard they are held to is the Florida Panthers and the Tampa Bay Lightning. Because you thought you hated playing Boston in the first round every year. Well, let me tell you something, friendo. That loss bumped them down to third in the Atlantic. They're on pace for over 110 points. They're third in their division. That means the way this is going right now, in the first round, they're going to have to play one of the Panthers or the Lightning, and they probably won't even have home ice advantage. Is it fair? No, neither is life. But I can tell you this team is better than last year's. Mm Mm-hmm. I wow. I, I've, okay. seen, I've seen enough. I've seen enough. I think they're better than last year's team. And no Marner in the lineup too, right? That's a, oh, that's man. a big deal. Tampa, yeah. no Kucherov, no Point, no Sorelli. That's oh. devastating. I'm trying it's a to think. It's worse of, than Marner. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. <laughs> goes worse than missing Marner. It's like the Leafs being down Tavares, Matthews, Marner. Yeah. It's devastating, and it just doesn't affect them. And they're still a good hockey team, and they're still in every game, and they obviously have flaws, but 
we know what the flaws are. And like the fact that they can just yoink out of the minors, a guy like Taylor Radish is so friggin' unfair. I know it's, it's amazing. They do such a good job, but the standard they're being held to is the Panthers and the lightning. And if you're telling me that a top four of Morgan Riley, TJ Brody, Jake Muzzin and Justin Hall has a shot. You're just kidding yourself. So, and, and specifically there is one name. I don't want to jump on someone's back here cause he is having a rough mm-hmm. year, but you can't you can't talk about the Leafs defense this year without talking about the Justin surprise Hall. that Justin Hall is a disappointment. And it, and it is a surprise, and he's earned his spot in the league where it's a surprise. It is. But, like, we're a third of the way through the season. This is part of the reason that I chose this video to have this conversation. We're a third of the way through the season. Let's not let Jake Muzzin off the hook. Holy shit, he's been bad. He's been really bad. I don't think he's played a healthy game since the puck drop. But at some point, a move needs to be made because you can't, you can't go into the playoffs with this top four. And I don't think, I don't know if throwing Timothy Lilligren into that slot is enough. But after last night, I'm like, okay, well, we know Hall is not good enough. We know. Why we do you think? What's happened? What's yeah. he not doing? He's just, he doesn't contribute in any way, shape, or form. And I, was he like, contributing before, though? Or was it Muzzin being not hurt and playing well? And he played well with Muzzin? Well, even like, what when was Hall it? was playing well, there was an air of he can't do it without Muzzin. And whenever Muzzin was out of the lineup, he wasn't nearly as effective. You put anyone with Muzzin, they look probably better than they did with their previous partner, namely Lilligren, right? Um, he's big for nothing. Um, he's a capable penalty killer. He's had a couple bad bounces hitting the puck into his sure. own net, but he's got one point this year. Like this, this guy was able to create offense and he just hasn't been able to do that with the same success. If he's not going to be hard in front of the net, then the, there's no point to him being big. So people talk about, you know, well, he's a big defenseman, right-handed makes X amount of money. Well, who can, he might as well be five foot six. It doesn't matter that he's big if he doesn't use it. Um, and he just hasn't been a good decision maker in his own end. The the offside play with Matthews, I mean, everyone watching went, what the f- You what mean it was that? from like 10 games ago. Yeah, oh, it was a lot longer than that. It was earlier in the season. But remember, that's what turned it around. Mm-hmm. What turned it around is Matthews having a conniption, which I've never seen him do really, on one of his own teammates. He was scratched for five straight games, and the Leafs have never looked back. They've never looked bad. They hit a bit of a speed bump, but they weren't going to be basically undefeated for the rest of the year, you know? They bank points, and that's good. But we're going into a game, or we're going into a seven-game series against Aaron Ekblad and Mackenzie Weger or Victor Hedman and Ryan McDonough. <coughs> it's just not the same. It's not the same. Now is Riley Brody? Would would you would you throw that into the conversation? I I know what pairing I think is third best out of the ones I just mentioned, but with a muzzin slash competent guy on his right pair, I look at their offense. I look at their goaltending. I go I go. You got a shot. Is this a confidence thing for Hall? Is it is it? Does he look worse because Muzzin's injured? 
and he's less effective. For a very specific thing that I see when I watch Justin Hall is when the puck goes, when the the other team dumps the puck, let's say, and they they go for a change, and Justin Hall goes back to his own net, and he's he gets the puck from Campbell. And they attack and, his side, and, and then he tries to get the puck up the ice. He every single time it seems like it's a struggle. Mm-hmm. It seems like it's a never a clean breakout when the puck is on a stick, and it and it worries me whenever I see Justin Hall have to come up the uh, the right side and get the puck to somebody in the neutral zone. And let me be fair. He's not effective at it. Let me be fair. I can't write off Muzzin's struggles as I think he's hurt and Hall is just garbage. Like, I I think he battled an illness. Um, He could be hurt too. You never know what's going on. But the, but, but the results. I can tell you this is, this is not good enough and it doesn't look like it's going to get good enough. Mm-hmm. Right? So, and like, listen to me not yelling and screaming about it. Like, I'm just saying this. This is calm, cool, collected, cold fact. Um, they're good. They're good. Holy shit. What a revelation Kasha is. Yeah. What a revelation. They're the best face-off team in the league. I think or still bunting is incredible. Bunting, yeah. uh, just so good. Lilligren is far better than I expected. Mm-hmm. Um, he's play Richie down in the lineup. Richie's fine down in the lineup. Simmons is unbelievable having, having this a pretty year. Pretty good year. Yeah. yeah. He David- seems to be, have, 80 goals that could have almost went in. Yeah. Oh my <laughs> like, god. That's his specialty this year is uh, almost scoring. And that's all you that's all you can ask for out of your third line. Tavares like, is, awesome. is above a point a game. Mm-hmm. Willie's been great. Matthews is Willie's back in de- the rocket conversation. Willie's decision making is sometimes. Like last had, last night he had a uh, trade him. <laughs> he trade scored him. he scored last night. I kinda hated his game. Yeah. It was maybe his I don't know, second worst game of the but season. But he has less of those games now, oh, yeah. he ever yeah. did. Oh, yeah, 100%. but he wasn't good. Yeah, and, like, like, he needs to be good every game when Marner's not in the lineup. This is the problem, right? Um, oh, shit! Kerfoot! Excellent. What a revelation! Yep. And I feel like I'm talking about the Montreal series again, where I look at individual performances and I go, wait a sec, almost all of you are good, but if the important things are bad, which is what happened in the Montreal series, in the, in the Montreal series, it was the top line, or Matthews, Marner specifically, Right now, it's specifically the shutdown pair. It's just, it's becoming less of an option. The, the less likely, it looks like Jack Campbell is going to be a 940 goaltender for the entire season. Yeah. The more that pair is exposed. I just don't think Justin Hall has the decision making right now to be like, hey, this team's going to be in the top five of the NHL and he's one of our top defenders. So can like, you, Justin Hall's just not there. Can you flip him down for Lilligren? Because why not? Lilligren, you might as well give him a shot. Well, with Sandine and Dermot out of the lineup, um, you need him. But as it sounds like Dermot is coming back soon. Yeah. I think you got to look at having uh, Muzzin, Lilligren, and then, oh my God, Rubens Dermott? Boy. No. <laughs> Boy. He's... No, but go, you think of go get someone. I don't know. I don't mind Rubens. Like, I like... I'm, I've, I've seen enough of him that I want to see more. I do miss Zach Bogosian a little. Yeah, but I don't know. I've, it's only been two games. Mm-hmm. Sheldon Keefe, I, uh, I wanted to highlight his comments about him in the LFR because it was... There was some criticism in there, but he's also like, I like that he's fighting. No, I liked him. Yeah. I, I like Rubens. I think, like, sure. whatever. The guy stepped in and done fine. I, I'm not criticizing. I'm just saying, I like, I miss Zach Bogosian when you, when you no, of give course. me the lineup card of who's in and who's out. The, but the, the reason I brought it up is while Keefe was critical, he also had a compliment in there, and the compliments have been few and far between from that guy recently. So I, I'd like to see more of him. This is great. 
it's great that we're getting to evaluate guys like Alex Steves and guys like Christians Rubens. And we might get a look at Alex Biega because the Leafs might need him down the line. And who knows, maybe Chad Chris will get in the lineup. Brand new uh, Leaf. Yeah, that was a trade. Curtis Gabriel, Chad Chris. Yeah. What do you know about it? Uh, Why I, was it done? The Blackhawks wanted some grit. And uh, what probably happens, what usually happens with those minor league deals. Uh, by the way, I'm telling you the Blackhawks wanted some grit. I'm not guessing. I did some sniffing around. Oh. Uh, they wanted some grit. And what probably happens with a minor league deal like that is the Blackhawks go, uh, we would like this guy from you. And in return, we will give you a player from this list. And the Leafs take a look at this list and they go, well, here's, here's a guy named Chad Chris. He's a former second round pick from 2016. He is a defenseman. Um, we could use some depth at that position right now. And also, he played with Matthews at the U.S. program. Defenseman Matt Hellickson from the Toronto Marlies, Joey Anderson, Joseph Wool, J.D. Greenway, who we drafted in Chris's draft year. And who is the other guy? There was one other guy. He played with a wild amount of guys who either are in or were in the Leafs organization when he was at, uh, can't remember what college school he went to, but. I don't know. We probably spent spent way too much time on Chad Chris no, I just on this episode know. already. Is he a player? Um, I could. I think they. I don't think they got him just to get him. I think they got him because there's a chance they think he could be of some value to them. Okay. If the Leafs make a trade for a defenseman, who are pieces off the lineup that you'd be okay with going the other way? What can you take away from to add to the defense core? That's a great question, Jesse. And it's, um. Dubas is getting hammered right now for, well, one decision in particular. The Signing decision, John Tavares. Yeah. No, the, the decision to protect Justin Hall, and that way you had to expose both Kerfoot and McCann. But the way the Leafs looked at it, I think, is it was protecting Kerfoot. Now, McCann is doing really well. But I look at pieces off the roster you can trade, especially once they get healthy, might have to be Kerf. Might have to be Kerf. Oh, wow. Yeah. And and it's I'm not. It's funny how the conversation with him has changed. Uh, there was earlier in the season where I was like, this guy doesn't have a spot in the lineup. And that was a very short amount of time. And now he's been so good that I'm like, okay. Now he's valuable and could bring in the thing that they need. Yeah, like you can't get a defenseman to fill that role and make you competitive with the lightning and Panthers without them having some kind of a salary. Mm -hmm. Like I'm thinking at least three or 4 million bucks. They have a tiny bit of space. So all right, who has to come off the books? Well, and maybe, and maybe a guy like Hall goes the other way too. make salaries work. You can do that. Right? Kerf and Hall, maybe a pick. Could McKayev be part of that? Could Dermot be part of that? I think all that's possible. So again, this isn't a moan. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not have this isn't a doom and gloom conversation. Not a piss or a moan. No, this is problem solving. Is what this is. Yeah. Worrying is not problem solving. A wise man called my therapist once told me, worrying is not problem solving. This is problem solving. We don't have these conversations with teams that suck. The Leafs are good, but they have to be better. Looking forward, with the goal being the Stanley Cup and being competitive in the playoffs and specifically taking on a team like the Panthers or Lightning, they have to have at least a comparable defense, and right now they don't. Okay. All right. Well, with that, I guess we'll leave it, right? I Jesse, so. you got a big stream tonight, my friend. Oh, yeah. Speaking of the Tampa Bay Lightning, ugh, 
goodness. Our Buffalo Sabres are going up against the Tampa Bay Lightning tonight on twitch.tv slash SDPN live. It starts at 6 p.m. Eastern. Tune in. We're going to watch the game. It's 10-minute periods. It's game seven, second round of the Eastern Conference. I believe in you. I do you believe? Yeah. I think you can do it. I don't know. It could be our last game ever. It's it's like up to the hockey gods right now. Jeff Petrie, go ahead goal, third period. That's what you think is going to happen? Absolutely. Jeff Petrie, who just punched it into the lineup. Uh, Our coach decided to put him in. He's going to get one. He's been been huge. I think he has two goals so far in the playoffs, and that's a lot from Jeff Petrie. He doesn't have a goal. uh, He doesn't have a cup yet. Oh, you think he's he's trying for it? He's the gray beard who he's 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 like, let's win it for me. He's not waiting for the rest of the team no. to do it. He's like, let's win it for me. He spets a fight in Columbus. He's like, I need this. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. All right. like, we'll see what happens if GM well, Jesse Blake can get over the hump. Yeah, we'll see. I'll update you all on Monday or just watch tonight and see, and then we'll see if there's another stream next Wednesday. You're an NHL GM. You'll find a new job in no time. It's true. They all just get shuffled around. We didn't mention uh, Jim Rutherford happened after oh, uh, yeah. our Wednesday show. Yeah, Jim Rutherford too. He also got another job. And by the way, I, I want to give full marks to you because you were the one who said, hey, Jim Rutherford. And we're oh, like, somebody right. called it. Yeah. Because yeah. he's, he's, like, he's connected. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in the GM circle. G- That's Jesse a peer. Was, That's a peer. <laughs> well, what happened was when Jesse started doing such a great job on NHL 22, um, uh, uh, the Aquilinis actually called him and said, Jesse, what would you do here? You have rebuilt the Sabres <laughs> in your own image. And and Jesse said, sorry, this is Sunday. It's the seventh day I rest. But then he called them Monday and said, Jim Rutherford, call him. And then I said, ah, I got into the squid game thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on Twitter at Steve underscore Dangle at Adam W-Y-L-D-E and at Jesse Blake. Connection complete.